Fitness Pro Mentor community, what is going on? Extremely excited for today's episode. I got a cool opportunity coming up and I've been waiting to talk about it and we're going to talk about it today because honestly, I think all of you could benefit from this story. But first and foremost, my wonderful co-host, Glenn, how are you doing today, sir? Fantastic. I got married. She said yes. Ooh, said Best yes and married. Beautiful. Yeah. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. Uh, I've been married for a while, so I can't relate to the current story. Yeah. Old school polo. Look at this thing. Thank you so much for correcting that. I know. We got to get some new shirts in here. Uh, but everyone, really excited. Uh, I got a story I want to share with today, and then I also uh, have a bit of a thing that I'm excited about that's probably one of the biggest moves in my career. And I think Glenn and I are going to talk about how that transfers to you and things that you can kind of take from this story, because uh, truthfully, I don't think that I'm doing anything necessarily special, and we're going to talk about exactly what I mean by that. But more importantly, uh, anything new with you? Oh, you got married. We talked about it. Let's yeah, hear the story. I want to hear the story. So um, I'll say this. So of my clients, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I've been working as a trainer for 17 years. And in the last five, six years, uh, my retention rate has been really good. Really, really, really good. Uh, honestly, I don't really have anybody that falls off almost ever. Um, no one ever just says, hey, I'm unhappy with how things are going at this point just because the, the, the referrals I get and who they're coming from and all the work that I've done. But I had one client that referred me, a good friend of hers, and the client came in and I had the same sales conversation, the same kind of spiel that we've talked about before. And it went really, really well. She said, hey, listen, I'm happy to start with twice a week, but I probably won't be able to afford this. I'll probably go down to once a week, but I can definitely afford that. And if I'm getting results, I'd love to stay around because I see the benefits of this within thinking about things longevity and staging. And that's, you know, a nice, like almost the perfect client for us. And I've had lots of people say that. Well, we are five months in. And yesterday she comes in with a loaf of bread and gives me the loaf of bread and goes, uh, today's going to be my last session. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. This kind of surprises me. She goes, well, you know, honestly, my family is my priority. And I'm finding that doing this and taking care of my body here is taking away from some of my family time. And I'm feeling overwhelmed. And I can't be there as a babysitter for my kids, my grandkids. And I just need to take a pause. I think I can do this on my own at home. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But it was one of those things that just surprised me that I was given, in her words, a piece of bread as a peace offering to end the relationship. <laughs> but in any event, what I'm trying to showcase with this more over, I thought that was kind of a little funny story. But in reality, at the end of the day, you can prepare your marketing, your messaging, your sales process and be as organized as you possibly can. You just never know what's going to happen and how people will be and never how things are going to actually go. But if you set up everything to be as prepared as possible, you create the most incredible and highest likelihood for a great outcome. In this case, it didn't. But that's okay. I got bread now. You know, it's interesting because I was, list- I was there for that conversation. I was doing my thing in the background. I, I don't, I don't want to be presumed. Was it, was it the, uh, the, Indian, the Indian lady, correct? Yeah? Correct, yeah. Sweet lady. Wonderful Very. lady. Very. She's been coming here for a while. Uh, and it's interesting. Five months. In, in the mentorship, <laughs> yeah. that was li- last week was literally the conversation about retention. Yeah. And how do we have those conversations, right? If someone says, hey, like, you know, Thank you, but, and now we're ending here. Like, what does that conversation look like? And it was great because it was exactly the kind of steps that you shared with the students of the program yeah. that you went through with her. And I think this is the important, the, the real important piece I want to highlight here, which is you're absolutely right because you can set up things perfectly and it doesn't mean that everyone's going to stay. No. And, the, and to be honest, like, you know, nothing in this world is permanent. We're all going to die one day. People are all going to, people move away. People come and go, and that's all fine. And we just take that with, Everything is a grain of salt and you keep working and tightening up your business because marketing and sales, really anything, but I would say especially marketing and sales is one of those skill sets where you can never really be too good at it. 
And the retention piece is huge because if you are bringing in 10 new clients a week, but none of them are sticking around, what does that say about your business and your product and your value and, and how you're going about communicating, educating, educating your clients and the results that you are getting? 100%. Right. And truthfully, I mean, with all these clients, I ever say, hey, listen, if things aren't going the way that you want or something comes up, please let me know so we can sit down and talk about it and come up with a solution. Because yeah. she did tell me that things were going really, really good. I said, great. Well, why don't we space things out? She goes, oh, no, that's too overwhelming. I said, okay. Sure. I got bread. And, but, and the other thing is, because she had a great experience and she's probably feeling much better since she started working with you, we know that if people stop doing these things, they, not that they revert back to the way that they were before, but the body is constantly changing. And it's very likely that because of senescence and hormesis that her body's probably still gonna get weaker if she doesn't continue with doing the exercises. And here's the thing, when you help people progress, they come up with new problems. Oh, that back thing isn't bothering any, any, me anymore, but the shoulder thing that I never told you about to begin with is something I wanna start focusing on now and they get to work on other new pieces. Yeah. But there's a very high likelihood that this person will at one point or another return to Brandon's fold. And I get the same thing with my clients. I have a, a client and her daughter, both her daughters actually, who I didn't see for two or three years. Mother said, um, she came, the, the client, the mother came back and said, I've been having these back issues again. I'd like you to help me work on them. And in addition, my other daughter's getting ready to go to university. She wants to learn to work out too. Can you work with both of us? And so now I see them two times a week um, together Perfect. so that they can move forward. And I know at one point she might also, life might get crazy, right? She might leave, but, but because she has a great experience, problems will come up and she'll come back as yep. new clients come in the fold. Anyways. Well, we, on a more positive note. We could keep going because we love talking about this kind of stuff, but I really would love to jump into talking about this Portugal uh, opportunity that you have. Yeah, so just quickly, so if you guys haven't heard of it, it's called, uh, there's the EXS School of Exercise in Portugal. Uh, really incredible team over there. Uh, I've done a bunch of presentations with them that we might talk a little bit about today, but they're a really incredible organization and I'm very excited to be going to their uh, 2023 Exercise Summit and we're gonna be talking about two different topics and it's gonna be a blast. So if it's okay, first, like, so tell us a little bit about this event, like the kind of, the kind of people that are attending and just like a little bit about the content that you're going to be sharing with people, and then we'll, we'll kind of get back to where you started, and we'll see if we can tell the story of how you got there. So it is an exercise summit, and these guys have been doing, I think this is their fourth year in a row. Uh, they started their first two years, it was purely a digital form, and they did it through COVID in 2020 and 2021. Uh, and fortunately, I was really lucky as we were closed. They asked me if I wanted to present online. And I spoke for both topics about post-activation, potentiation in different ways. One was an introduction. And then the second was more of a, a progression and assessment kind of mode that we're using with Crane Scales here. Uh, and really, really incredible. Uh, last year, they did their first in-person event, which looked like a banger. I think they had eight or nine speakers. Brad Schoenfield was one of the speakers that wow. they flew down to Portugal. Um, so... That, yeah. So this year, uh, I got asked to come down. I'm speaking on two different topics. I'm doing a four-hour presentation on marketing and messaging, just like we do with Fitness Pro Mentors. Uh, truthfully, I'm going to be teaching a chunk of the mentorship stuff to give them some basic stuff to get going and try and work on making their first six-figure year uh, with basic tools, things that we've talked about here, but given them, I mean, in four hours, it's hard to dump a bunch of information, but that's going to be extremely exciting. So four hours of all marketing. And then on the Sunday, I'm speaking in their Congress event which I believe all the speakers will be attending at the same time. And I'll be doing a 45-minute presentation on kind of advanced assessment processes using post-activation potentiation, which you've been here. Uh, you saw my last solo podcast. I talked about the PAP resistance training continuum. We're going to be going over that for that 45-minute segment along with, I think it's a two-hour Q&A segment where anybody in the audience can ask us questions 
Uh, so I'm really excited about it. It's going to be incredible. So sounds like a, a lot more time actually doing content than I thought you were. I thought it'd be like a couple hours, but it turns out it's four plus something else. Mm -hmm. How uh, did they approach you? Did you approach them? How did they initially find you for the first, for the first conference that you presented at? So you, this would be the second time, correct? Third time, third time, third time, but how, first time being flown down there. So how did they, how did they find you initially for that first go around the, the Mulberry Bush? Well, so truthfully, this kind of comes back to why I think this is a great lesson for everybody here. They reached out to me, and I mean, of all of our incredible educators that you'll know in the exercise science community, and even more so now because the online community of exercise nerds has really, 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 really grown. I mean, jokingly, I would say that I'm like a C-level celebrity in that world. And I mean that like pretty low, pretty low on the totem pole. Like some people know who I am, but not really. There are definitely people who are the, the Jacques Henry Taylors and the Charlie McMillans that I would say are B-level celebrities, but are not known by a lot of people. And then you have these Cassim Hansons and, and these other people that are like top, top, top tier. The only thing that I was doing really differently on social media was I, I've really taken, I really took a strong foothold in the post-activation potentiation world and exploring a lot of research there, thanks to Charlie McMillan. And through that, and a few other things. I mean, many people may know when we opened this gym at the very beginning of 2015, a lot of the philosophies and methodologies that we used to promote ourselves originally, uh, we forewent them to focus on building our own systems and processes. And I really had to double down on marketing. So I've taken a strong foothold with fitness pro mentors and myself talking about marketing and PAP. And I, I guess by being consistent over and over again with the things that I'm saying uh, and doing an okay job communicating it, they reached out to me to ask me to speak uh, at their event. Right. And so I think there's two things that kind of stick out to me there. Um, the big the big first one is niche. And we've spoken about this in the mentorship a little bit, which is a lot of people, they promote uh, having a wide variety of services that, for, for, that are for everyone. And uh, take a look at your own content. Is it clear what it is that you do and who you serve and the amazing results that you get with those people? If you look at the Strata social media or the FPM social media, we don't talk about marketing in both of them and then the clients and all that jazz. We talk about specifically, right, FPM marketing stuff in one brand and then Strata is all about just helping people move and exercise pain free. And if you look at it, majority of that content is gonna be people 40s, 50s and 60s yeah. and, and a little bit beyond, not even really much younger. So like niching up is the first thing. And the second thing that I'm thinking, I'm seeing here is, not just niching up in the world of helping exercise professionals, but there's also a niche in post activation potentiation because there, there are people who, who discuss that, but no one that really doubles down on it. Does that make sense? 100%. Right? And that's kind of where that kind of that's kind of the, the void that you've been filling for over five years since I've met you when it comes to the PAP stuff. Yeah, and I think that this, this is really important because, like, honestly. I don't think post-activation potentiation is like the be-all and end-all by any means, nor do I think that I am an, like the leading expert on it at all. But if you look at our community, if we look at like Greg Roscoff and Greg Max are talking about muscle health in different ways, but both are talking about muscle health. And then you have a lot of people who are talking about muscle growth, um, like the Kasim Hansons and the Ben Bukalskis, and that's really, really cool. And then you have exercise science and mechanics guys like Tom Purvis and Charlie McMillan, and those are all really great too. And then you have Jacques Henry Taylor who talks about neuroscience. Mm. Right? I could easily have continued talking about the same things they were to talking about. The reason why I started talking about post-activation more was not because I was actually trying to niche out, but it's because there's 
There was something in between all of the information that people were teaching between the neurophysiology that Jacques was going into and then some of the muscle activation style stuff that the more we learn about it, the more it translates to motor learning, the more it translates to resistance training. And it's cool because since I went that direction, like you're saying, it accidentally created a niche for me and created a niche for this business, FPM and everything that we do here to be recognized by people overseas. Absolutely. And, and there's, something, there's something to be said about like not niche hopping as well. Because I think a lot of people switch around and then it becomes really unclear what you do. It's almost like you're hitting the reset button every time. Well, this comes to something that you keep saying, which is consistency. Yeah, right. Well, consistency over time is success, right? I mean, that's, that's really where it comes from. And one of the reasons why we use systems, because as I've said to Brandon multiple times, systems to me stands for save yourself some time, energy, and money. So if you can be consistent in your niche and have a system to, to, to promote that and grow that, it's, not, it's, it's more or less inevitable that you'll get to where you want to go rather than is it going to happen. And we've even seen this a little bit with your drum mechanic stuff, which I know you don't talk about too much on the podcast, but even your uh, sharing exercises for drummers, help them improve their drumming performance, has led you to work with some really cool people. I don't want to like, like blow up your spot and share the names of these people because it's not really my place, but there's some people who are considered like A-list teachers or A-list drummers in that community that now either consult with you to market their own brands or to help them with their bodies because you niched in on exercise and drumming, which seems like such a really small, small world because it is, but you've managed to carve that out for yourself. And so when we take a look at this big picture thing about traveling and working internationally, it really comes down to you've built this brand around the knowledge that you have. You pick the niches that you're passionate about that you know are growing markets that you can at least help and you stuck with it to the point where not overnight success, but five years going through PAP, five years of then sharing your drum mechanics page, you've got all these cool, potentially lucrative things down the path, but not even about being lucrative, just be able to help more people, something you're passionate about, and just maybe make some money while you're at it, which is really, really cool. And I think ultimately what we're all striving for in our careers, in our life, can we make the money that we want to, we'll still help as many people as we can, and have the hard work still be hard, but not daunting all the time, or time consuming, or like, ugh, do you know what I mean? How do you how do you differentiate? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, I, and thank you so much for yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's something really cool about that. You know, there's um we did an interview on the Fitness Pro Mentors podcast with Dan Garner, and if you hadn't listened to that episode, I really encourage you to listen to it and check it out because one of the things he talks about is as a career personal trainer, I think it was a Good Life or Gold's Gym it was Gold's Gym. There were uh, up there they had 25 trainers that were all on the wall, their pictures and their credentials and the title. And all of them were like strength coach, personal trainer. And he was not the best guy in the room. But the title he chose was weight loss specialist. And so we had this closed pool of people, maybe a thousand gym members, probably more, with 20 trainers. And of the 20 trainers of the one, which was him, he chose a title that was different. And even though he wasn't the best at all of all the trainers, he had a very special, specialized focus and helped him get extremely busy because of the 20, he looked like the 5% that was different than everyone else. And that was cool because now for him, that weight loss specialist has blown up outside of that pool of Gold's Gym and turned into a totally different and much bigger thing, which is incredible. And yeah, and I don't want, I don't want to sidetrack too much because I have some questions about where you started and how you kind of got to where you are because I'm sure a lot of people are asking, okay, well, you're there, but like, where do I start with all this? Which would be absolutely beautiful. But to that point about like the weight loss specialist, if you can find that niche and you market yourself that way, that doesn't mean those are gonna be the only people that you work with, right? You don't push other people away if they wanna work with you and you wanna make some more cash helping some more people. You could just as easily, instead of being like, someone helps people with pain and discomfort, niche down even more and be like a post-operative, 
you know, exercise and pain specialist. And then if you promote yourself that all over the local township, right? And then you're the, the person that doctors all of a sudden want to send their people to after post-operative care. Those people, once they see how amazing they feel, are probably going to want to stick around. Mm -hmm. And it could be a really cool model. So again, we're not trying to cut people off, uh, cut yourself off by only marketing to some people, but you'll find you get people from underneath the sun who want to work with you as you get more and more known in your town. To digress away from that, Let's talk about like where you started because I've heard a lot about your story and where you came from. But if you can tell us a little bit about like where you started in terms of the exercise industry and then maybe the things that you did to start moving you towards even just like a local expert status. And then we could start looking at like local to maybe more regional than regional to international. That might really help paint a picture for people about how they would go from where they are now to being an international teacher like yourself. Yeah, so I'll say I think the first two things, I'll give you two two key words and then I'll back it up with some stories. It's showing up and consistency. And those are both kind of the same things, but they're a little bit different. So for me, uh, I started off, I knew that I wanted to make a career at this and I knew that I wanted to teach because to me at the time, it seemed like teaching was a necessary tool to make enough money to have a career. And so my mentor, Peter Chason, that I've talked about many times in this podcast before, was the teacher for muscle activation techniques and resistance training specialist. He was teaching every weekend all over, being flown to Florida to go to Buffalo and everywhere. And he was just like, it seemed like living the life. He had his own clinic and then he was teaching everywhere. So for me, it seemed like if I had to be successful, I had to follow in his footsteps. And so what I did, truthfully, to help borrow authority and gain expert status quickly was I showed up at every single course he taught for like three years. I was at every RTS and jumpstart as an assistant for him uh, for an uncountable amount of times. Like I, I can't remember how many times that I was there. Like so much so at the point that when I was 22, I had a girlfriend and I, and we broke up the Friday night and that Saturday I showed up at the course and helped teach anyway. Like I just kept showing up. And what ended up happening was so many people came through the classroom where I was recognized as an assistant to what Peter was doing. And I heard him say the content so many times. I practiced talking about it for free. I didn't get paid. And I showed up consistently. Even when I thought I knew it, I kept showing up. And so my plan was to keep showing up until I was able to meet Tom Purvis and, and end up in an educator role. But what ended up happening, sadly, Peter was in a tragic motorcycle accident. And when he passed away, this left a void in the educational community in Toronto. And so what was really incredible was I was 23 years old, 23, and Tom asked me if I was interested in teaching for RTS to help take some of the slack of the what was missing. Now, we could look at that, and I'm not trying to be hubristic or egocentric at all and go, hey, listen, look at me. Tom thought I was the greatest one, and I am the best. But I'll tell you what it was is I kept showing up. Right, because how often is someone who's as recognized as Tom going to pick a 23-year-old to be a good to be a good replacement for an international educational program? So that worked out really well, and I got to start teaching. And truthfully, uh, I got paid a little bit. I sucked. Like I wasn't good. And I, and I tell everyone, whenever I was doing their first presentation, like, listen, you're not going to be good the first time, and that's okay. You have to get out and get in front of people, and you'll focus on some things that you think will be terrifying, and they won't be. And there'll be things you haven't even thought of that you actually want to you haven't thought of that you'll find are way worse than they actually are. So my first class was a missing link course at core strength. It was 25 people and it was terrifying, but I got through it. And so the next step was, okay, how am I going to continue this legacy that Peter left on? 
And so all I kept doing was I went to every gym locally and I introduced myself to the general managers. I kept sharing information through the Strato Biomechanics Facebook group and showing exercise science to help show online and social media using many of the things we talked about here, as well as uh, doing study groups once a week where you and I attended before, mm -hmm. where I'd invite people in for free. I kept providing value, free on social media, high quality content, free in person where Glenn's and Taylor's and other people showed up. So that way, when I started teaching my course, people like Taylor's and John Craviato's and uh, Katsavos, I mean, and other people would sign up and would help me grow. And that was a really great season because from the age of 24 to 27, before I opened the gym, I became really comfortable teaching in front of people, teaching advanced topics. And I learned a lot about taking a topic and how to turn it into digestible bites for any person in front of me, no matter their academic level. And it was really, really quite good. The thing that I think was the linchpin moment that turns into the next part that I think is important is when I opened this gym, a lot of my philosophy around education and how I thought about this gym opening changed. My worldview around exercise and what I did completely changed, which was a problem because I'd spent all this time kind of gearing things up for a specific message that I was going to do. But I started realizing that this idea of using exercise science to help everyone, which was cool, that marketing sucked. And we've talked about this before. If you market everyone, you get no one. So, you know, fast track a little bit, I realized at the beginning of this, taking all everything I learned about teaching and being able to educate someone on any topic that I wanted to, the more I learned about post-activation, the more I learned about motor learning, the more I was introduced to these different modes of contractions, I realized I had to learn a lot about this so I could understand where this fit in and I could say, hey, Glenn, I know you've been doing things this way for the last 15 years, 10 years. We need to change directions and here's why. And that worked out well that I learned so much about that information by me sharing it socially online and sharing it with people like you that that extended to where it is now. So all I'll say, honestly, like that was a bit more long winded than I like to be for these kind of things. But in reality, I found a problem. I did everything I could to learn and master that problem for my own self gratification and my own client list. And then I practiced sharing it immediately with the Glens, the Taylors, the Dave free days, the anyone that was local that wanted to hear it and turned into where we are now. So it's interesting you say that because I picked up on some different information. So uh, the couple of things that you said that I think are really important that I want to share is number one, like the showing up part, right? And I think there's, there's kind of two pieces of that. One is you have to show up for yourself every day, which means that you have to like, A, take care of yourself, keep exercising, take care of your body, be mentally sharp. Um, and B, by showing up for yourself and taking actions for yourself and your career and your body and your health and your life, that lends itself to be able to show up for other people. And that's where the, building that trust with other people, showing that you're reliable, showing that you're consistent, all comes into play. Because if you can't show up for yourself and then you can't show up for other people, you can't build the reliability, the trust, any of that stuff. And that's why a large part of this program that we tell people is that you gotta be consistent day in and day out. None of this stuff that we share with you matters if you're not consistent. And then from there, I think the other thing that, I'm not sure if you said this explicitly, but there's something about that, that systematic effect where at first you might suck at doing a lot of these skills and it takes a lot more time and effort, maybe even exponentially so, two, three, four, five times more time to create a social media post now, sorry, a, like two or three years ago than it does now. But because you have a system, you've learned the skill set, you become more efficient and you're way better at you're more powerful at it, that the results and the dividends you get for taking that action or five to tenfold in five to ten times less time. 
yeah. which when you look at it is like a 10, 10 to 20 fold increase in productivity output, however you want to look at that. And so I can see where as you build the knowledge and base in, in, in your brain and in your mind, and as you build the trust and reliability for your local community, then your regional community, but then your international community, and you learn the skills and you build the systems around creating the content, teaching the content, so on and so forth, it becomes a way of just rinsing and repeating the system through this tremendous knowledge base that you already have. And then as you start expanding to new territory, learning those other new skills, sucking at them a little bit to begin with, sometimes sucking a lot at them, but then expanding it into yourself more and more. Yeah. Right? On, on that note, and thank you so yeah, much. Please. I appreciate you recognizing that. No. I mean, personally, one of the things I, I like, and it's hard to share, this, I, I like sucking at something. Mm -hmm. Like I like doing a skill and knowing, okay, I am not good at this and figuring out how to get good at it. So I, if I don't know something and I'm really interested in it, I know I know how to, I mean, I say this, I know I can learn anything I want. Whether I'll be amazing at it or not, that's cool. But I know that if I want to learn something, I know how to learn and break it down into digestible pieces. And what I love about that, there's two things with this. One, learning, okay, I suck at cinematography. I'm going to learn as much as I can in the next six months. Those skills around cinematography, composition, that transfers mm -hmm. to many other things for outside of the arts. Same with the potentiation stuff, right? The more I learned about potentiation, you get into the world of short-term and long-term potentiation and potentiation with fatigue and nociception and potentiation. And then rate of forced development versus the forced development. And all that opens up a bunch of doors for when you're working with sensitive demographics like we do. The third thing that I would say with this is no matter what you do, if, if like to, to help you with this niching, you have to pick a piece that you focus on and not just not just copy what you see, not just read it once and go, I got it. You have to take a piece of information and practice talking it. You have to practice innovating, practice being creative with it and coming up with your own way of applying it so that way you get immediate, I should say, not immediate, but you get payoff from the idea. Mm. Because emulating is a very flattering form. Uh, and I, the number of experiments of Charlie McMillan's that I emulated at the beginning to help me get into it was great and a good learning curve, but then it was okay, this took me 45 minutes to set up all these straps in this dynamometer. Can I do it in one? Mm. How would I do it in one minute? Could I do it in one minute? Hence why the crane scales are hooked up to the machines. You, you can't really... You, if you were just to emulate someone's success, when you get to the show, the big stage, it becomes really, it becomes really apparent that you don't know what you're talking about because people start asking questions about the, the, the small little stuff that feeds into the big, and you're screwed, screwed. right? Yeah. And, and this is why, and you know, you've, you'd mentioned this, I don't know where you heard it from, but the first place I heard it was from you, maybe it is a brand and original thought, but that like knowledge is the base of all creativity. Oh, that's not mine, I wish yeah. it was, I think it's an answer, to be honest. It's so true because if your knowledge base is so small, you can only build so high. But if your knowledge base is very, very broad, you can build a lot higher. For taking a look at the pyramids and they only had a few blocks of the base foundation, you're only getting so high. But because the, the base foundation was so large, they could build those pyramids so bloody tall. Yeah, I, I might be butchering the quote because it's been a while since I've said it. I'm pretty sure it's your knowledge is limited to that of your creativity. So you- you Wouldn't you, that be your creativity is, is limited to your knowledge? So the idea is that if you have a piece of knowledge, right? If I have- if I teach you about one thing, mm -hmm. like uh, let's say potentiation, right? Yeah. I teach you about potentiation, cool, right? That one piece of information is a knowledge bomb. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But that one piece, you can creatively apply it right. in 100,000 settings in making you seem infinitely more knowledgeable from that one piece of information mm -hmm. because you can apply it a thousand ways. So your knowledge is limited by that of your creativity. If you have one piece, this is the great thing. Like Glenn and I, if you come in here and I'll, you know, I'm getting ahead. My pick of the week is, is this Peter Atia book that came out and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But he talks about some really incredible stuff around exercise and aging and longevity, right? We are getting way more out of this mm -hmm. than someone else would by oh, reading the yeah. same piece of knowledge because we are more creative with the application. Of right, it, I see. Right? So even you can get, uh, there are people who are way, way fucking smarter than I am. Pardon me, but way smarter than I am. But I would say what my strength is, if I had one, is I'm extremely creative in application. I can take one thing and I can come up instantly with 15 different ideas. And if you give me an hour, I can come up with 100 on the spot, uh, fearlessly. Like I have no problem with that. And I practice that all the time. So it helps me take one idea and instead of just, I hope that makes sense. No, but, this, but this is where I've said this before, and thank you for saying that, Glenn. But this is where I think I said this before, is that if you really want to stand, like we talked about niching, okay. niching with an idea, don't just learn knowledge, but learn 1,000 ways that you can apply it, right? If you're learning about post-contraction sensory discharge, can you measure it? Can you, do you have data on it? How many different ways can you help to try to elicit it? How do you know you're eliciting it? Because that's a bit of a, a different one. All that kind of stuff. The potentiation stuff is easier because there's dynamometer readings. But anyway, the creativity is a huge part. You know, in, in, much, in, 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 in an even easier way, I think this is a great experiment for any exercise professional if they haven't done it already. Take an exercise machine you have available to yourself and think of all the different ways that you can alter that and in, in use it for like, as it's designed, but even outside of that, right? Yeah. Can you take like a leg press and think of how many different ways can you do this? Feet together, feet wider, different ways, amounts of internal, external rotation, how high up are the feet, how high down? What about the intention? Feet in one position, pushing out, feet in one position, pushing in, pushing up and down. Like there's so many different things you could think about when you're doing it, but are you really trying to, are you really exploring that enough? You didn't take RTS with me, did you? You took it with Adrian, right? I took one, two, three, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. So there was an exercise that Peter used to do that I stole and I did in every RTS class that I taught. And if I had a longer potentiation course, I would do it. And it was that, yeah. but it was a little different. He would Blake break up the class of 20 into groups of three or four. And he would say, okay, group one, you have a client who just had a total hip replacement 15 weeks ago, and they want to be able to crouch down to the ground to play with their grandkids come up with an exercise that will help them achieve it efficiently. Go. And you would have to go across, find a machine, come up with an idea, mm -hmm. and then come up with an, a rationale for it and break down the mechanics of it. And what was really great about this, I mean, I, did, I partaked in it and it was so much fun. Uh, it was hard because it really put you on the spot. And then you had to present it to all your yeah. personal training peers. But what was really incredible about it was you get this limitation of a client, which is what we do day to day, and you have to come up with a scenario to help them achieve that. Now, there are exercises that are common that you can do, but... You know, how do you set up a reverse band squat in a way that's going to help a 55-year-old with a fused back get down to the ground? How are you going to create an exercise for a 78-year-old with neuropathy in their feet who's going to help them improve their foot control, right? There's a lot of really cool things you get to do. So anyway, I think that's a great... Well, I mean, I think, I think the take-home lesson for that, at least for me, is that uh, part, of, part of having expert status, which is why these uh, this group from Portugal is asking you to come in, is that experts solve problems that other people can't solve. Yeah. It's like that old story of, of, the, uh, of like the factory that goes down, they're losing tens of thousands of dollars an hour, they hire a guy to come in to figure out what's going on, he walks around for three hours, flicks one knob, 
right? And then everything's back to working. They, they can start making money again. He hands them their bill. And the guy's like, well, it seems astronomically high because you just walked around and you flipped one switch. He's like, you're not paying me to flip the switch. You paid me to figure out which switch need to be flipped. Yeah, and that's what I'm making the money for, right? And so, I mean, I think there's so much delicious information of this podcast. This might be, I mean, I learned a lot. And this might be one of the most impactful podcasts. I'm really going to encourage everyone to listen to this. Is there any th closing thoughts, Brendan, that you want to share when it comes to building international expert status, no matter what part of, uh, uh, what phase people's careers are in right now that you want to impart on people before we get to the pick of the week? Just, you said this, but I want to parrot it again. Okay. Don't hop around. Like, try not to, try to focus on one niche idea and embody it and own it and learn as much as you can within it and figure out the limitations before you move on to another thing. And that's easier, but I'll tell you, easier to say than say than do. But the number of personal training studios from a business model perspective that I've seen go from one-on-one -on -one and abandon that idea to move on to group exercise because they weren't able to figure out the one-on-one -on -one model. They went up to group X because the, the money-making elixir there looks really powerful, right? That's, that's jumping ship and that's fine. You can do that, but that's a big philosophy change. And then going, okay, I'm going to teach everyone about muscle contractions. Great. And then you move on. You're like, now I'm an expert on weight loss. Right? Like that's real tough. Like there's a prolific fitness celebrity, I would say, that I have seen him be uh, a muscle hypertrophy guru, a business guru, a weight loss for men guru, you know, I and know just all is. over the place. And that's absolutely fine. I'm sure he is making money, but they are making money. But at the same time, it's waffling. I mean, I'm not trying to like say I've been sitting on the same horse for a while, but truthfully, it blends into my business and it all stacks together. So the payoff, the more I learn about this, the more I teach it, the more payoff there is for my teammates and my clients. So it all works together. So no matter what you're focusing on, make sure it's a niche if you want to stand out. Truthfully, there's a great opportunity for there are a lot of educational companies that are looking for educators and people that they can trust to come to their place and teach because people like learning uh, and there's room in the community, right? It's not like it's just, I got in and, and that's it, right? And Jacques in and that's it. There's a lot of opportunity. You just got to focus and stay consistent and always show up. And like Glenn said, no matter how successful I am, if I all of a sudden was financially free tomorrow, I would still be here at 7.30 every morning and I would leave at five because the moment I stopped showing up with respect to him, he stopped showing up, my team stopped showing up and then the client stopped showing up and then the bill stopped getting paid and then it's just this, this trickling effect. You always have to show up because if you show up, other people will show up. That's part of the role of being a leader. That's really, I feel like showing up is like the crux of a, of a lot of this. Um, pick of the week. Traditionally, I go first because you ask me, but you already brought the book up, so I'm going to ask you. Brandon, pick of the week. I know Glenn might also be picking it because we're both into it, but Peter Atia's new book, Outlive, The Science and Art of Longevity, absolutely loving it. Um, truthfully, it's a methodology that we, I mean, I shouldn't say that we've been thinking this kind of way in this facility from a muscle end for a while, but the way Peter has organized it with this 200,000 word book and the number of incredible data drops that he puts into this along with exercise recommendations, uh, it really, really incredible. If you're someone who is a personal trainer and you're really serious about trying to help your clients live longer and learning more, Outlive, definitely recommend it. If you're just a fan of Glenn and I, you've been listening and you're not a personal trainer, this is a great book. I'm recommending to all my family to check it out because truthfully, it talks about the common reasons that people die, the things that you can do to help prevent that at the youngest age possible, and the things that you can do to help just live the longest, highest quality life possible. I'm very excited about it. I'm loving it. I'll be listening to it a few times in audiobook before uh, I move on. But 
Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm a huge fan. I've been a big fan of Dr. Peter Atias for a long time. I um, uh, one of his podcasts that I love. He sits down with a shoulder surgeon and a hand surgeon, and they go over all the major injuries, some of the anatomy, and this is brilliant for someone in our position to be able to hear some of that stuff. I'm a big fan of his, and I, I wholly uh, recommend the book as well. I think it's fantastic. But Glenn, what's your pick of the week? I don't have any idea what it might be. Oh well, I already t- I told Brand beforehand what it was going to be. So I don't know if you can if you can put me on the main screen here. Um, oh yeah, I forgot that you know that. My pick of the week. Is commitment. Uh, I got married last Thursday, uh, Thursday and a half ago actually, and one best day of my life. There's all these things that lead up to it, like nervous, anxious, excited, everything. And the thing that really stuck out to me the most was during the vows. That was actually probably the most impactful part of the day, maybe one of the most impactful 10 minutes of my life, because you're standing in front of somebody with all the other people in your life that you care about watching you, and you're telling them what you're going to be willing to stand for in that relationship. Now, from an exercise professional end of things, if you can find a way to be committed to your business and yourself, like you are committed to your significant other, your business will flourish. Because if you're vowing to take care of them, your significant other through sickness and health, through good times and bad, through their ups and downs, love them for who they are, no exceptions, and you can take care of your business no matter if you feel good or bad, no matter rain or shine, no matter what's going on, you will have a successful business no matter what industry you're in. So that commitment, that showing up, that seems to be the thread of today's conversation is also my pick of the week. I'm just telling a bit of a different story and showcasing a bit of a different way. So pick what you're going to be committed to, good and bad, go all in on it, because if you do, great things are going to happen. Congratulations on being Thank there. Thank you. I appreciate I'm I'm looking forward to it, honestly. Um, I would throw it there on your point is um, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And there's a point where people are starting out working on their business. You have to decide, like, are you making this a career? Because you can't go 50% on this unless you're just incredibly talented, have it, millions of dollars resourceful just in your back pocket. But you have to go all in. And it's not just work. What I would encourage you to do with anything that you do, anything that you are into, go 100%. 100% focus on your food. 100% make sure you're drinking water and you level it out on your water bottle. 100% play drums. 100% like just do 100% of everything that you do because it will carry over to beautiful marriages if that's what you want to do, your business and everything else. When what you realize very quickly is if you go do 100% to these things is you realize there's a lot of fluff in your life that you just need to get rid of and you learn to set boundaries and I'll be honest it's that's something I'm learning a lot this month for my like personal life and for my business is is when I go 100% on on some on things there are things that go by the wayside that I ought not be going in on at all and I need to be considering those things so that's great advice Brandon I love it everyone thank you so much for listening to today's episode honestly I think the things I'm doing and have done to become an international teacher is not anything special I have some things I've worked on and I've gotten okay at, but truthfully, you can do them too. And the only difference between me as you right now is I put a lot of hard work in. And I think you are too, but you just got to keep going. Anyway, Fitness Pro Mentors Podcast, the Minds on Muscle Show. Thanks for checking it out. And congratulations again to getting married. Thank you very much, buddy. Everyone, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Two weeks. My bad. <laughs>